Bum bum. In the world of podcasts, there are two separate but equally important groups. Those that host podcasts and those who edit them. There's also people who promote them and people who listen to them. So I guess there's four groups. There's some overlap there. It's like a Venn diagram. This is their story. Bum bum. I saw you weren't ready. I saw. I'm always ready to clap on command. I'm a musical theater kid. You even say Will Rogers Follies, and I'll just start going. <laughs> Courtney and I did the hand jive the other day in the car, unprompted for a song that did not warrant it. I'm glad you married her. Me too. Right. How are you, chum? Oh, you know, I have a funny anecdote, actually, about how I am. Is it about your haircut? Because it looks swell. No, I mean it's it's a haircut. I, I I like it. It is it is basically the same haircut I always get. I feel like it's a little more twenties though today. It's feeling you definitely that way. are giving me a thoroughly modern Millie vibe. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. Deep I have a Halloween costume and I'm not even trying. There you go. You're a flapper girl. Yep. So uh, <laughs> my adorable <gasps> Bob and I. What? I was just thinking that you should dress like a flapper, but then put on like. A headband and a big gold chain and be a flapper rapper. <laughs> it's like the sequel to a Glover Lover. Oh, I haven't seen the tattoo, like, in all its glory. Damn, that's great. You know what's great about that is your freckle looks like a moon. Thank you. Perfect placement. I'm I'm very happy with it. I'm See, going I have to... a star, the star next to a freckle because I like to pretend like it's a little moon next to a big star. Is it the second star on the right? Straight on till morning. I'm I'm gonna um, take a picture of the tattoo, and then I'm going to do some editing to it, and then I'll uh, and then I'll tweet it from our account, so people know what we're talking about. Nice, very smart, love it. Um, It's all about an immersive experience, you know. I know, right? Making it like worthwhile. For people to I was listen. watching a live stream on the YouTubes recently. Oh, <sighs> so immersive. Yeah? Was it Grace yeah, so Randolph watching uh, Wonder Woman? No, it wasn't, but that oh. sounds amazing. Yeah, super Sounds like awesome. a thing I really should watch. She just um, okay. No, it was, a, it was like a Kickstarter campaign for this. Um, okay, I'm going to digress off into another world, so I'm going to tell you a great anecdote. It's not great anymore, but and then I'll <laughs> go into that. So on Fridays uh, after, or Thursdays, whenever the end of my week is, after work, I go to Trader Joe's every weekend. I've noticed it's a nice little routine for me. But I was talking on the phone to my sister who just uh, returned from Europe. So I was, I was talking to her and I was walking through Trader Joe's and right before the checkout, there was alcoholic seltzer, which I was just like, that is, what basic bitch drinks alcoholic seltzer? Today, as I was driving home from dropping off my friend, I was listening to the most recent episode of 20 Minutes of Banter, and lo and behold, you're drinking alcoholic seltzer. This basic bitch loves that shit. <laughs> and I, I actually like had a moment where if I had been drinking any sort of beverage, I would have spit-taked. Or had you been consuming a, a less chowdery soup, like a viscous, yes. real broccoli like a, soup? Maybe even like a nice lentil. 
Ooh, a lentil soup. Yeah. So anyway, that being said, I was watching a Kickstarter today in my other story, and it's this production. They're like a production company, and they've sort of had various iterations of it. But mm-hmm. they started in college, and they you've actually probably heard of like the the that when University of Michigan or Michigan State, whichever one's in Ann Arbor, they did the Harry Potter. The there Puppet Pals. No, it was the it was the YouTube video that was like basically they did all this original music and they did a musical version of Harry oh, Potter. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's various members of that group, and they've like moved and created different things. And they had different shows in Michigan, and then they a bunch of them moved to LA, and they're like now doing this Kickstarter for a movie, and. Like, they, they've had different people come on. Some people who have done, like, Bernie Sue, who does the uh, retellings of Jane Austen novels on YouTube series. So they've done... So a few of those cast members have gone on and joined them. They, like, all have become this, like, kind of more of a YouTube culture. Hmm. And they've created this really cool little production. What's and they the have, like, production shot, company called? Well, like, I don't know what the actual production company is called, but the YouTube channel is called, right now, this version of it is called Tin Can Bros. And uh, they actually, in their new movie that they just, it's fully funded, they're going to have Sean Astin in it and stuff. Like that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because they're developing enough of a name that these actors for like very small amounts of money are willing to do it. Like uh, Jerry from Parks and Rec was in one of their, was in a different, it was in a shipwrecked comedy, which is sort of another, it's like they're, they're friends. Um, so hmm. a lot, there's a lot of crossover people from Tin Cambros do shipwrecked and shipwrecked do Tin Cambros. And it's very interesting. They did a whole thing called Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery potluck dinner or something like that and it had all these like famous authors it's actually totally in your wheelhouse of something you enjoy watching and it's very quick little episodes but that's where jerry from jim o'hare from parks and rec is in that but i was watching their live stream and it's just so interesting having watched them all in college they're most of them are our age or i mean i guess between Those yours poor and my age. bastards right but so the ages. It's been really cool because the first time I watched them, I was in college, and now I'm an adult. But it was a very interesting thing to watch, and it made me really wish that I had, like, a really big group of friends from college that we started creating then, and then it just expanded into this thing. And I I'm, I try and be positive and think of, like, that's kind of what we're doing now. It's just a few years later, and it's just a different medium right now. And the thing but that was- I like about like those those instances remind me of like the backpack from missoula um now performing in austin katie kohler uh justin morley um i know of them pete butcher uh and don't remember his name anyways jeremiah um but those those groups that start in college and do stuff together are awesome but you all have to be doing the same thing, right? You all have to be doing theater or doing broadcast journalism or doing like you have to have that common pool to start those things then. And the thing that I like about the secret weapon family is that we all have really varied interests and really varied experiences and main artistic drives. 
but we come together to do our shows with that. So it, it feels more like a, like a Justice League than, say, Power Rangers, if you get what I mean. I really like that way of explaining it. That makes right? me feel very cool. Right? Because like those those groups are awesome, but they're like they're like Power Rangers. Everybody's kind of got the same wheelhouse, got the same skill yeah, set. Yeah, I mean, some people are stronger singers than others, but like they're all pretty good singers. Right. They're all pretty good actors. Someone's like, good the Red Ranger. Someone's the Blue Ranger. Like you know, they've they they're all the same, but you know, somebody's clearly the leader and is going to get more like power ups and specialty armor, and the other's going to be like, hey, I'm here too. I really liked in the most recent Power Rangers movie, they did a little hint at the Green Ranger coming in because I was very perplexed why they didn't have a Green Ranger come in. But You need the Green Ranger. Every little boy wanted to be Tommy and plenty yeah. of little girls too. Yeah, I think I wanted to be Tommy mainly because I liked the color green. But Truth. I never really liked the Pink Ranger. Kimberly? Never really, yeah. And I... You had such a crush on her, didn't you? Major crush on Kimberly. Oh, well, because she looks kind of like like the Kimberly of the '90s looks similar to your wife. So, so now it's your I job mean, to tweet a picture that's a side by side of my wife and and Kimberly. I'll make someone else. Do it. No, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I can do it. I've been I've been all up on the on the social medias today. On the tweeters. Well, yeah, the Twitter. I, I don't have much social media these days. Social media is super fun whenever something enters the national discourse that's kind of silly, like people taking a knee during the national anthem. Or just leave, not leaving the, uh, the locker room. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? No. Yeah. Oh, man. I only just today, as I'm sure you can see from our Twitter, found the BoJack Horseman Emmy uh tweets which i was just like oh my god these are so good I so yeah we it. should probably address though like our last our last pod um <sighs> you won you know you know yeah some you of beat us me. just walking the light right now you beat me by like three or four you you beat me pretty handily i think no I think that, yeah yeah i think it, that was similar to the oscars because i think it was uh, no the, the oscars you only beat me by one Oh, it was Skylar that I beat more. But to be fair, yeah. he kind of threw himself. Like, he was just like, I'm just like, he's like writing in. Yeah, no, and he was there for different reasons. Whereas I'm obsessed with winning because it's the it's the only thing that matters. So, there's that. It explains your choices in Friends very well. Mm-hmm. I only am friends with winners. If you exclude most of my friends, then... <laughs> I was going to make a joke that we're all not winners, but, like, it makes you feel more so. It elevates you in the eyes of onlookers. Well, I try to only have male friends that I find less attractive than myself, but I have a pretty mm -hmm. high estimation of myself, so I end up actually having hot male friends, but only because I have a delusional notion of my own attractiveness. So. No, I mean, this makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, I guess we have more awards to later wonder about, but that was that was fun. I'm, it was fun. I'm, ex I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, further film and television award shows with you. I, I think it's a fun little tradition. Yeah, we should do the we should do the globes. Yeah, let's do the globes. Yeah.
Those are such a disaster. Easier to predict, really, though. Yeah. yeah, they really are kind of a disaster. Although, I am pretty proud of myself for thinking, yeah, I think they're going to give Julie Louise Dreyfus a sixth semi. I think it's going to happen. I was, I was voting with my heart instead of yeah, my head for both comedy and and comedy actress. Like, I mean, if she beat out a, uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey consistently, it's that's the thing is there's not much that goes above that. Like Veep is just yeah, it's a, it's been a consistently strong show. Mm-hmm. Speaking of consistently strong shows. Season two of The Good Place premiered this week. And, I have not watched it, but well, I will not say anything. But I was I was texting with someone who is also a huge fan of The Good Place. I think that was a killer first season. I was nervous. They were nervous as well. They were probably a little more pessimistic than me. We watched it, and I have to say, I don't know what it's. I don't have a huge grasp on where it's going to take us for this season. Like, I have some ideas, but Mm -hmm. they did a good job of really... We set some stuff up in the season finale. They addressed it. I like... There's there's a slightly different, like, viewpoint on it that I really enjoyed this episode. I don't know if they'll continue it, but -hmm. it was really, really enjoyable. I think it was a super solid second season premiere. And then... I tried to watch this show that just seems to have popped up out of nowhere, and I'm seeing ads that's executive produced by Tina Fey and created by one of the old writers from Mindy Project. So, of course, what... Yeah, I didn't know this thing existed. It premiered in April, and they're like... What show? It's called... Gosh, I'm going to mess it up again. I think it's called Great News. It's Good News or Great News. And it's basically about a New Jersey radio... Or New Jersey news program... And it's got a lot of people you've seen as like this, the the mother of like Julie and difficult people and stuff like that. Like the English guy and mixology and stuff like that. And Tracy Wigfield, who is in a few episodes of Mindy Project, is in it. And Tina Fey is apparently going to be doing a, like a season run as the boss. And that's what got me interested. And I'm like, okay, let's see. Nicole Richie's also in it. So I was just like, what? all right, let's see. Yeah, this, but this show just like, it What channel is this on? It's on NBC. What? Is it on Hulu yeah. now? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Watch it. Watch the first two episodes and tell me what you think, because I was not a fan. Really? It's that bad, huh? Great news. Interesting. Oh, man, that is, that is quite the cast they've assembled. So quite like it's the cast of secondary characters all playing the roles of their career, probably. Oh my, this looks like. Why is Nicole Richie in this? Because the... I don't know, honestly. Hmm. I don't wish she's her ill. I'm just confused. I mean, she's not like an actress. She's ne- well, she. Well, but she's neither like yay or nay, honestly, on the series. But it's just, no, it just didn't, there was like one joke that was decent. I, I don't know, I'd say there's like one to three that I found like mildly humorous. And, but really nothing that made me LOL, as the kids say. You know what I'm worried about? So before 30 Rock got picked up, Tina Fey had pitched a comedic news show to NBC 
and Lorne Michaels didn't care for it and told her, do what you're good at. Make it about a sketch show. It's like you're barely focusing on the news anyways. And that's how 30 Rock was born, was through that note of, like, try try again. You've, you've got something here, but, like, you know the inner workings of TV so well and all the different personalities and stuff. Like, you write to that very well, but why is this a news program? Make it a sketch program and then you're there and that's how 30 rock came about so i wonder if this is that abandoned pilot brought back to well life. it's technically not created by her she just executive produces it interesting it's, cre- it's created by tracy wigfield hmm so curious yeah yeah so it's i'm not sure i'm not sure how i feel about it hmm. um but i i'm thinking it's not positively have you watched the Orville? I'm getting off this fucking podcast right now. I hate that show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got a text today saying that, it, like, the ratings aren't... Sorry. I gotta just adjust my chair after that dramatic <laughs> You were really moment. upset about that. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I do not like that show. That show is so stupid. And the fact that the ratings are so high, I'm so perplexed by it. Well, you know what it is. They put start the new Star Trek on an app you have to pay more for. You don't have to pay more for Orville. It's just there. Oh my god, you just figured out their slogan. Plus or, the Orville. Orville. It's just there. It's just there. Plus, Seth MacFarlane does have cachet at Fox, and he's going to carry some audience on that network regardless. But it's just enough of like a Star Trek show to capture the trekkies and just funny enough to get like the two and a half men crowd it's so stupid it's just not it's it can't make up its mind is this a serious sci-fi show or is this a comedy it's well, not it's... red dwarf it's not galaxy quest it's i don't i don't know what it is i don't know no, there's just and the inter- well know. the thing is like the interactions are just painful at times yeah. And I'm all for giving a show a few episodes to figure their shit out, but I just I just couldn't. And honestly, I think I would maybe like it better if in that beginning scene he had accidentally cheated like accidentally cheated on his wife and it was him like trying to become a better person and that maybe. But like I feel like he's trying to make himself more likable by getting cheated on. And I'm not, this is not spoilers. This is the first two minutes of the episode. The thing is, Seth MacFarlane is a really good animation talent who desperately wants to be a live action talent. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I think he's going about it the wrong way. I think if this TV show works well, great. Then do a smaller movie, not a million ways to die in the West. Um, mm-hmm. But if he did like a, a Kristen Wiig co-starring indie flick where they were both like depressed white people in like Connecticut who came from rich families but were both like fuck up losers um, who were friends in high school and then had a falling out when like he tried to kiss her and now they're back for like a friend's wedding and they Wait, both and then what happens? They both end up like hanging out and becoming friends again. And this time she tries to make a move, but turns out he has a girlfriend. 
and it just brings up some complicated feelings. And eventually, it's just kind of a nebulous ending. But it's like a really low stakes, kind of funny, like something Kristen copy- Wiig would be in. You yeah, know. we need to copyright this like right now though, because that that's actually like that's a legitly a legit good idea, right? So, I yeah, I think that's you pretty did, good. You, you we'll just call it. That uh, out of your ass. We'll call it the bride's side, because they're both friends with the bride. Okay, yeah, it's too close to the the blind side to me, but you know. Fine, the groom's side. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. Okay. Or plus one. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's that's if it's a rom com. Yeah. Um, no, call it, uh, call it open reception. I think you should call it open bar. Open bar? No, that's too vague. Bar none. No, um, no, that's a show about alcoholics. Damn, what do we call this? If you name it, you're a co-owner of it, so I have to name it before you do. Um, Bride Wars! (laughs) Done. Um, Signed, sealed, delivered. I Casey Wilson will be at your door immediately. Oh, I love Casey Wilson. Except that she wrote Bride Wars. How oh, did you no. not know that? How did you not know that? Oh, now I'm sad. That expi- explains why my joke fell so flat with you. Oh, no. Oh, no. What are you doing with those pliers? Uh Playing with them. This doesn't work well for an audio-only medium. I have a Leatherman that I can't stop playing with, guys. It's a problem. That's terrifying. That's going to haunt my dreams. You know what my other big problem is? Writing consistently. Being on top of my shit. Gone through this big transition. Not in New York anymore. Living on a lake. Like a... Lake person. Merman. Yes! I'm like Aquaman, but not burly. And I don't talk to fish. They talk to me. I choose to listen. Like a good friend. Aquaman's just always talking to the fish. And it's like, maybe just... Maybe just listen. Like, you don't have to solve all their problems. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Maybe the clownfish isn't always wanting to be funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe the barracuda is... Really fucking sick of that song. Probably. Much like magicians are sick of Magic Man. Ooh, yeah. As long as you're throwing Heart under the bus. Yeah. We really should give Heart a break. I feel like we're just constantly ripping them a new one. You know what? I'm going to find a bunch of doctors, surgeons, who play instruments and form a band with them called Heart Surgery, where they exclusively cover heart songs. But they would all need to be cardiologists and stuff. No, just surgeons. I feel like... I feel like if you got like a podiatrist, it'd be really weird to have him in there because people might ask him questions about heart heart surgery, and he's like, "Fuck if I know." No, if we got a podiatrist in there, we'd call it meatloaf. So writing, right? It's hard. You you I, wrote a really beautiful screenplay just now, though. I did. No, I think that'd be I think that'd actually be uh, that'd actually be pretty good. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking of heart songs that we could call it. Love is a battlefield. It's not a hard song, but I do like, you know, like Take Me Home Tonight or movies that are named after songs that will be featured on their soundtrack. Say, but did you actually like Take Me Home Tonight? Nobody liked Take Me Home Tonight. Nobody saw Take Me Home Tonight. Well, I mean, it did start the relationship between Anna Faris and Chris Pratt, R.I.P. 
But was that that was that the movie? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. They played lovers. And then they well, were yeah, pretending. Got... Yeah, well, I knew that. I just thought they were together before because they're in a lot of each other's movies, so it gets confusing. Well, and I don't think that one came out immediately after it was made. I think it, it had, like, some back-end production delays. Writing Shocking. is hard. <laughs> Writing is really hard. When you you're know? sad and in a new place and your routines are disrupted and your support system feels like it's gone and you're all depressed and drinking too much, I'm projecting. You feel like you just can't do anything right. And sometimes you just have this ghost of a sneeze, constantly wanting to deal with it. Ghost sneeze. Ghost sneeze. It was weird because I couldn't hear your sneeze. Mm-hmm. Mute. Who gave you a toy? So writing is hard. I'm still trying to think of a good title for that movie. Yep. 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 You know, I saw a movie that was not very good today. <sighs> What was it? You got really far away or something. I can't hear you as well. What was it? Now I can hear you well. Was what it? was it? <laughs> <clears throat> it was Kingsman Golden Circle. Oh, I was worried you were going to say that. Yeah, because I was super excited. So I had no expectations for the first one. So I was very happy with it. Sure. So then you had monster and, expectations. And so the then I had, as I just keep thinking about the noises you made that I'm editing out. Um, uh, and then I had all these expectations for the second one. And they did, I, it, I was not happy with it. Mm. It was just sort of a character. And, well, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, it was just a caricature and it was stupid. And it's Writing is hard. Clearly, look at the... <laughs> Golden Circle, I guess. Were the statesmen well realized? Or were they caricatures? Not really. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bridges was like on set for a day. Uh, Getting the Bruce Willis treatment. Yep, basically. Oh, boy. Yep. Yep. Well, that sucks. Sad to hear that. Yeah, I was super bummed about it. I mean, I'm still, I got to go to Alamo Draft House this morning, and that was a fun way to start my day, and I had an Irish cup, well, I had a, I had coffee with Bailey's, and that was delicious. And so that was fun. Writing is hard. (laughs) Writing is hard. How's it going with you? What are you doing over on Flathead Lake? Um, I'm working a guy doing some stuff i'm actually writing professionally which is cool i'm writing some advertising copy and things and um scripting some promotional sound bites and reels that i'm editing together which is fun and interesting um but i uh yeah so i'm i'm working on that and working on tv pilot and trying to not be sad because i miss friends and some New York stuff. But I yeah. I spent, you know, almost four years cultivating a routine there. And now it's just gone. <laughs> yeah. No, I get, I get what that's about. My habits don't extend. Now I have to drive places. I can't take the train and be like, ah, oh, I'm taking the train. There's 45 minutes of reading or writing time. Yeah, I... 
I mean, I always had to drive, but no, I, I get like there's just a difference in like the routine and right. it's exhausting and some days I don't know. Some days there's there's a, an absence of something that you can't quite decide what it is. It's not clear. And it's not like I, for me, I don't miss necessarily Seattle, but there's, sometimes I just feel like there's something that's not fitting in my life. And it's not really anything, I, I think I felt that way in Seattle too when I was starting right. my life there, but it was five years of my life. And There's aspects that are just hard to reproduce or to find the new version of. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I used to do this. Now I do what exactly? This. Oh, this. <laughs> now I talk in a deeper voice. Now I talk like Batman. Why does Batman sound so much like Bojack Horseman? Because that's just how it works. Okay. That's, uh. That was a good, a good enough reason. I, 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 I respect it. I'm an orphan. No parents. That's basically what the song sounds like, too. Well done. Hooray! Writing is hard. Imitating is things hard. is easy. If you call this episode anything other than writing is hard. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so we actually have had a few texts via the phones that we text <laughs> via on. texting. <laughs> really, I was going to say, we've talked a bit via texting, but I just... All right, I'm going to start this over. <laughs> I mean, speaking of writing being hard, we have we've had some conversations via text texting. I just just fucking up all over. You're there uh, about about it and how I'm like, okay, I need to start writing. Like we need to do this. Like we need to have actual schedules or or an actual like, hey, here's a finish line kind of thing we got to work towards because we I think you and I are both just in the same place so if one of us isn't doing something each week we're like yeah I'm not gonna bother them because I don't want to do it right now either yeah it's like we've been on a nice little six-week hiatus I know my my carpal tunnel's all gone (laughs) right my hands feel great (laughs) they don't sound like a cement mixer (laughs) when your carpal tunnel's gone you know that You've either quit writing or masturbating, or both, or or just one. At the same time, because <laughs> you know what? God damn it! If we're not multitaskers, <laughs> oh, oh, that's you. I'm like, well, you think very highly of yourself. <laughs> You can't unsee. It's an audio-only medium, which I take advantage of at every opportunity. <laughs> yeah, that's why sometimes I bring the microphone and screen just to fuck with you. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so We're what are we going to do about this? What are we so, going to do about this? He said so, causing unnecessary vibrations into his microphone. The editor... In this in this formula is really annoyed right now. Done, done. That's God damn it. Um, so we should talk about that actually. I think we need to have like a certain sort of 
end goal each month of what we're writing. But I also think like we, cause we did so well, we did a fundraiser. What was it? Two falls ago. Ooh. Yeah. And we wrote every single day. And I think that's like, doesn't allow us to have like a, as much of a fluid weekend plan. So I was saying like, let's write 30 minutes every weekday. Cause I think that's doable for both of us. With oh, our schedules. <laughs> but I also think like, it's something that we can hold each other to as well. Well, like the thing is you and I have both spent like six hour days writing before, or like we've gone crazy. We can do whole hog, but I think speaking personally, I'm dejected enough and feel adrift enough that like the idea of doing several hours a day right now just isn't going to happen. So I got to baby step my way back up. So I love the idea of 30 minutes Monday through Friday. With no guidelines on what it has to be, it can be a poetry for our blog, or it can be part of a screenplay, or it can literally be a grocery list that just happens to be very long. Well, I think we are recording on uh, September 24th, so we can start tomorrow and do it this week and finish out September strong, and then, uh, you know... Check in, do it again the next week. And actually, I'm going to start tonight. Yeah. I, I started today. Shut up. Well, no, that was what, well, because I had to, because I was like, I can't, I need to write something new for the podcast. Um... That's, so I was like, it needs to be something for our blog because I haven't written anything for it for a month and a half. So I just sort of, I had been working on this one poem since I moved here, and then I, and then I was just like, okay, I'm gonna do it, and I did it. Hooray! Was it good? No. I actually think that at this point you have segued effortlessly into the poem itself, and our audience can judge whether it is good or not. Okay, I can do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the poem, we're doing a reading this week, and the reading is, you is can, a poem. You can pronounce the title. It's actually Settle, but I just was being, I was throwing such shade. Um, it's called Settle, but there's, uh, I'll type it out when we do the pod, uh, when we do the pod notes, or you can do the pod notes, and I'll tweet it. Um, but it's got a little parentheses and an A after the E. So it's also Seattle. Shade. And it's not, I will preface this by saying, I do not really intend to throw massive shade on the city of Seattle. There were a lot of things I was feeling as I was leaving Seattle. And that's more what I was trying to project. And I realized afterwards, I'm like, I don't hate the city. I just hate the way I was feeling. All right, and long story long, here's the poem. The city built over a feebly planned map. It was beginning to sink in those tears, the ones I hid in the closet, those that I laughed off, because being fine is the answer that is warranted, unless you have the necessary examples, deemed socially acceptable. We leave because it feels used up, no chances for us in the decay of urban sprawl. I leave when I say I wish I was... 
when I feel no good can come of this. We leave when the air has dried moist lungs, organs feeling stale with each step. The city, it shuns me because I declared it's not good enough, that I won't settle for good enough, that I will not crumble with it. I cannot drown alongside it. I really, really, really love the line. No more chances for us in the decay of urban sprawl. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. No, it's a it's a good declaration poem. It's yeah. I don't do many of those. No, it's a departure for you. You rarely um, address a feeling or a place or a notion in such a head-on confrontational manner because it is not that much about how you actually feel it's about response to feeling it's about what you do with that feeling not like relishing the feeling or examining the feeling which i appreciate the um That I won't settle for good enough. That I will not crumble with it. You're not talking about how you feel. You're declaring what you won't feel, what you won't do, what you won't be a part of. And uh, my acting teacher once said that you, you, know, you have to know what the no is, the N-O, before you can find out what the yes is. Like You have to understand in your own life what you won't settle for, what is not acceptable, what are your non-negotiables. The only way that you'll ever figure out what you do want in life is if you first stop and say, I do not want that, whatever that is. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's actually what I, I kind of was trying to allude to because uh, I, I have recognized for me, and this happened when I lived in Montana and it happened when I lived in Seattle, where there gets to be this point where you just, you're starting to, it's almost a defeatist point where you say like, I'd rather be doing this. I'd rather be doing this. And it's never gotten to like an awful place, but you can see it getting into this dark place mm -hmm. of, I, I just rather be doing anything else right now. And for me, I think especially in my last summer in Seattle, I would have rather have been any doing anything, experiencing anything other than what I was experiencing because I was watching so much just deteriorate for me, deteriorate for me. And it was hard because I didn't understand it to a point. I understood some of it logically, but I felt like there was a complete lack of understanding of who I was. And it was this realization of I had really thought that my life was a different thing than it was in Seattle and deciding to leave it really kind of it was like the man behind the curtain it was seeing the wizard yeah. of you know seeing the dark underbelly of something that you had just written as being a lot more picturesque and just being tired of that and not wanting to have to apologize for being sad when you don't have like a, a when you suffer from depressive episodes you don't have reasons always and so you just and but people cannot rationalize being sad because you're sad it seems like you have to have this reason 
Well, and applying reason to something irrational is like trying to speak English to a dog. They don't know what it means. You can teach behaviors, but anyways. I think it's very interesting and very telling to hear you talk about leaving and what was no longer good, enjoyable, or even recognizable in your life. And that's seeing the man behind the curtain, that pulling away the veneer of your life. For me, at least, with leaving New York, I realized how much I was banking on potential or good things mm -hmm. around the corner or, like, good things adjacent. Like, knowing people that are doing really well, for me, didn't yeah. actually make me feel shitty. It made me feel like I'm this close to being there, too. I'm this close to being 100% creatively driven. And I think that sort of false hope that certain communities give you of like, oh, you're almost there, buddy, is deceptive and really kind of shitty when you pull back the curtain. You're like, I've been busting my ass for years. And the same people that are doing better than me and doing what they want and are happy here are still happy and I'm still not there. This isn't working for me. This These avenues I'm pursuing aren't appreciated or championed or working out. You know, maybe it's me, maybe it's the city, maybe it's friends, maybe it's whatever, but it's, it's just doing the same thing over and over and being just close enough to really breaking through that it feels worth pursuing. But when you take a step back and kind of look at the hole and go, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? It's, no, I totally yeah, get startling. that. It's sort of like this feeling of like you're spending money on yourself, on your life, but it seems like you're, the money you're spending is like rain checks. Mm -hmm. It's not actual money. And for me, it was very similar. Like I totally get what you're saying. You're running everything up on credit cards, like emotional <laughs> yeah. credit cards. Yeah, and then, but then the idea of, honestly, a big reason why I made this move, there were a lot of reasons, um, but one of the reasons was I want to have, like, a more authentic life. I want to be super purposeful with the life I'm living and feel like the feelings I'm feeling are valid and the relationships I'm cultivating are strong and honest and, yes, like you but I had this moment and you're aware of the moment but and so we don't need to go into details of what this moment was but it was towards the end of my time in Seattle and it honestly I don't I I recognize for me as a person the fact that I reflect on it so much I was like this is very unlike me this this topic is very unlike me to reflect so long on it's not something I care much about but what it symbolized was that a majority of the energy I had spent on the life I was living in Seattle was not real. And that I had deluded myself into thinking I had made this place that I had not in fact made. Hmm. And that it did not matter if I stayed or if I left. And I don't pretend to think like, I, I think we're just above where that generation that came up where it's like, give me a participation trophy for everything I'm doing and stuff like that. I feel like, especially growing up in Montana, you're not really, you don't really expect that you're like special mm -hmm. necessarily. You, you try and, you know, be realistic 
And I think I, I'd never have thought like, okay, I'm going to do this like amazing thing and I'm going to make this amazing impact. But I do feel like I, as a human being, deserve the right to feel like everything going on around me is real. The relationships, the experiences, the happiness, the pain, the, ex the exchanges, whether it be with just a person on the street or with a lifelong friend. And it was starting to just feel like nothing in my life was registering. Like I was kind of just walking through these motions. And I'm not, this is not to say my whole life was a bust in Seattle. There are many amazing opportunities I had there. But they were opportunities, never a gateway into something bigger. Which for me, I was doing it to, similar to what you were saying about your time in New York, I was trying to make a plan, make a trajectory for future me to, mm -hmm. you know, have these experiences. And at a certain point, you just feel like Sisyphus pushing this giant boulder up a hill. And then you're going to get to the top and it's just going to roll down. And then you're going to have to do it all over again. And the hills in Seattle are really fucking high. And I'm tired <laughs> of it. So that was kind of my, like, end all, be all, like, I knew starting in the summer that I was not going to continue there and I didn't care necessarily where I was going. I just knew that it was not going to be in Seattle. I looked around at people I was catering with before I got my last job when I went full time and kind of had to quit catering. And these people were catering after living in the city for 20 years and they were acting but they were still catering after 20 years in the city. And that's not a judgment on them. Life is fucking hard. And I just, but I just looked at them and thought, I don't, I don't want to be putting on my blacks for the, another 15, 16 years. I don't, I don't want to keep serving rich assholes so that maybe I make the right connection to make something happen. Like I just, I'm out of emotional capital to spend on this. I can only spend it on the work and really get that in a place that I care about again. And by taking this step back and this move, now that I'm like handling the depression a little better, I want to get disciplined again and start making shit happen and then take what I make and present it out to the world and try and build myself up again and find the next steps and go where we're meant to go. But it's really hard after you've invested so much in a place to just walk away. And it's not an easy decision. It's not a light one. And, you know, you leave behind really important people. Uh, shout out to Cameron, Amanda, Jason, Adam, Alex, Ashley, Alan, Sheila, and a bajillion other people. Um, but it's uh, it's not easy. And you can kind of only do it if you feel like you have the freedom to walk away and invent a new life for yourself. Like to just like decide this isn't working, so I'm going to do something else. I, I, I heard it said once, you are perfectly entitled to invent your life and claim that it's true. I think that was, uh, was that James... James James Salter? I, I, I believe it was. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
Anyone who says you're a bad actor is is false. Thank you. I uh, I like to believe that there's a depth of human emotion that has not truly been tapped, and that someday I can give a seven worthy performance. Not as in seven out of tens, but as in I can yell and scream about what's in the box, and people will buy it. I was really hoping that was where you were going. I I approve of that. Yeah. So looking at... Um, Writing's hard. Writing is hard. <laughs> looking at this transitionary period that we're in and how fucking shitty it is, um, I would like to... Uh, This is so weird. I would like to recommend to you um, the Netflix series. I'm so <laughs> curious. No, right, right. Um, I, I I've already, I've already recommended um, Ozark to you. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, as like a really fantastic dramatic series. But I would actually Your like. Boss loves it. I would like to recommend it to you again because the upheaval, the moving to a new place and starting over with the burdens of everything you left behind and the tricky navigation of where you are, it's incredibly pertinent to what we're both going through right now. Even though neither of us are money launderers for the Mexican cartel um, or you know, as good looking as Jason Bateman or Laura Linney. Um, that you know of. This is true. You could you be as, as good looking as Jason Bateman. I really can't judge that. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey, oh. Remember the Emmys episode? That was super fun. <laughs> it was so light. And now we're all like, we're writers. We're so brooding. I was also definitely on cold meds <laughs> for that one. And I'm drunk right now, so, you know. Everybody wins. <laughs> I was dead at the time. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. So. so for you, well, first off, I have to say, you need to watch um, Hemlock Grove. <laughs> Damn it. Because that, that is what what the loser of the bed had to do. We, we joked about drinking Hemlock, <laughs> and then they said, worse, you have to watch Hemlock well, Grove. <laughs> well, what I liked was you talking about resetting the timeline first. Because I've been watching all sorts of superhero TV shows. Finished today. I am up, caught up, I am up to date on all superhero like DC TV. Shows I don't now. have I don't have the patience to watch six seasons of Arrow. I can't. I mean, th to be fair, I had watched three and then I had given up. I clean a lot while I'm doing it. Like I use that as like I'm cleaning my house. I'll listen to Arrow. Oh, Oliver's blaming himself for everything. What a surprise! Right. Um, yeah, it's repetitive as anything. And I think it's only five seasons, so. You're right. It's starting season six. Yeah, <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it. For all we I'm know, such a whiny, dead. ineffective billionaire. And then, uh. He's not Danny, a billionaire. And, he's he's Poe now. Uh, I was going to make a joke about Danny Rand oh. going, hold my beer. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so I did that. Uh, but I think for... The, the bet, though, and I think we should continue this now with our, is whoever has, like, the bet, we make them watch something terrible, whether it be movie or TV show, 
but they had to live tweet it on our Twitter. Oh, boo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't you don't have to do like every single episode. You can do like reflections on like first three episodes, things that I think are ridiculous, like who the fuck is Bill uh, this Bill Skarsgård? He looks like a clown. He's the it boy. Um Framka Jansen boy. though. I'm excited just cuz she's in it. I will say that I watched the first episode and there is a moment in I'd say it's it's definitely the first 10 minutes it might be sooner and I bet you will know what it is but I I think about it still and I go ah and it's not like particularly awful but there's something about the imagery it's very well done and very disgusting to me So Hemlock Grove is my penance what's my actual recommendation for you your actual recommendation is a book, and I'm pretty sure I've already talked to you about it. Well, actually, I'm giving you two books. One is Stoner by John Williams, which I've talked to you about. Really beautiful book about a man who was raised in a farming f- family and who then became a teacher. And it's, it's just the narrative of it is absolutely beautiful. And then the other book I finished on Thursday, and it's called The Excellent Lombards, and it's by Jane Hamilton. I first heard about this book, and it was first recommended by Ann Patchett when I saw her do a reading for Commonwealth, and she recommended a ton of books, and every book I've read that she's recommended, I have loved, and so I'm very excited as I continue to go through the, her like reading list. But it's a friend of hers as well, like someone she has worked with in like writing residencies and things like that. And it's about a family. I think they're, I can't remember if they're Michigan or Wisconsin. They own a, a large apple orchard. And it takes place, I think, about in the space of 10 years. Mm-hmm. And they're the Lombard family. Hmm. And it's basically just how they grow up understanding apples and farming and their family and the dynamics of their family and how proud they are, but how you have to make concessions in your pride and you have to figure out if you want to be doing something because it's known or if you want to be doing it because you actually want to do it. Like, do you want to be a farmer because you're a farmer and that's home? Or do you want to be a farmer because you love the feeling of the soil and you love seeing how the plants are connected and you love tasting a crisp apple as you're trying a new apple? Like that's, it's such a fascinating thing. And it's really funny because both of them have something to do with farm culture. And for most of my life, growing up in Montana, I did not grow up in a farming community. I was very much a university town kid. And, but like the farming community was such a thing Mm -hmm. that it was sort of a fascinating experience for me to read that and think about like why I found it so fascinating when it is something I so wanted nothing to do with when I was growing up. But you were culturally adjacent to it. You know, there's stuff that maybe you weren't interested in or maybe you didn't connect with, but you grow up around it enough that it, it holds it. It's weird how it holds a place in your heart, whether it was really a part of you or not. Explains a lot about me as culturally adjacent to insanity. So slow claps and rewrites is painstakingly produced by Adair Rice and Daniel Crary. It is edited with extreme prejudice by Adair Rice. 
Slow Claps and Rewrites is a part of the Secret Weapon Productions Library. Copyright M-M-X-V-I-I. -I. 2017. All rights reserved. Until we've been dead for 70 years. <laughs>